Well, we're so excited today. I'm joined by two amazing people here in our from here in our community that are leaders that are going to help us as we kick off our series one at a time to really give us perspective on what's going on here in our community. And so I have Debbie Kennedy, who is the CEO of the Wichita Children's Home, joining us. Thanks for being here, Debbie. Thank you for Absolutely. And then I have Dion Gates and uh, Dion is has been a pastor. He's been a former police officer and he's also a leadership coach here in our community. And, you know, I think a lot of times when we think about our community, we really watch social media and the news and we think we have an idea of what's going on. But the two of you really know what's going on. And so I want to start with you, Debbie, because you are on the front lines of what is happening in many ways, in very challenging ways, in our families and in the lives of the children. What do I see on a daily basis? I see the results of families being in crisis. And many times it's the stress of what they're doing and that results in abuse and neglect and still physical abuse is still one of the major reasons why children are being removed out of their homes. And that is really quite sad. So Dion, what are the things that you see? One, one thing that I feel like parents of uh, marginalized, disenfranchised communities struggle with is when there's a resource drain and there's a system that maybe knowingly or unknowingly puts you at a disadvantage. For example, if you get a DUI uh, that you have access to then go back down to the courthouse to make sure that you make your court dates and that you do all the things that are necessary for you to get off probation or through that system. A lot of times people get involved in, in the system and they don't have the resource to get out of the system. You know what she just said, I, it really is the heart of what we're trying to grow in as a church is to say that one of the, one of the things that we can bring to the table is relationship. So what relational damage and division do you see and what problems is it causing in our community? I have to say right now, all I have to do is just look out my window or just go down to the portico. Right now, we are busy with uh, new admissions to the children's home. Mm -hmm. The reason for that is school started back up. We have lenses on children, people seeing them and going a little disheveled, little marks on the thing where they've gone through the summer, mm -hmm. nobody recognizing that they're right. in need of help. I see people who are saying like, I'm not only seen, I'm unseen, but are people, do they really want to see me? Because I know that there's some communities that I never go to. There's some people groups I never interact with. And, and then sometimes we might interact more than others with certain people groups and they could give us a jaded perspective on how things are. How do we heal that? We heal it through connection. And I always believe that it's connection before correction. Connection before you say, I have a solution. Have that relationship with that person. Go, I understand, I know, you know, or you know, the most powerful question you can ask somebody is what happened to you? What happened to you? And then sit and be an active listener. Don't try to figure out the solution while they're telling you the problem. Get engaged with that problem and connect. That it's, it is amazing, number one, the work you're doing, right. but it is heartbreaking and it should yeah. affect all of us and make us uncomfortable that that work has to be done. There's so much that comes across the police radio that mm -hmm. never gets mentioned on the evening news, that, that even includes suicides, that there's a lot of things, the DUIs, the, the accident, there's a lot of things that don't get 
put on the news that show up at our hospitals, mm -hmm. that show up uh, in the courtrooms. And we, we are just sometimes so insulated. I mean, I have a young man that I started mentoring at 14. He's 24. We went through some hard times together. For my Christmas present, he gave me a picture of him and I together. It was in a broken mm. frame. And he goes, Jimmy, I'm sorry. That's all I had. And I'm thinking, no, it's mm. the perfect symbol of where we were oh and the gosh. smiling faces inside the frame. So, again, I think if we can say there's lots of things going on in our community, but there's a lot of people out there like yourselves and your and your congregation that are willing to help. But I think it starts with connection. Yeah, that's great. Well, I want to thank both of you for this conversation and for the perspective. And, you know, one of the things I think I'll take away from both of you as we even go into this series and try to challenge people that it's one at a time is seeing people. Man, and I hope we can all, that's my prayer, is that we can grow into that. And I want to thank both of you for seeing people thank and helping, helping us see people. And so thank you for being here. Well, welcome, Pathway family. And I am so glad that you're here for this first weekend of our series, One at a Time. And as you just saw, we live in a world that has so many huge, complex problems. And whether it be uh, with children or families or poverty or race or mental health issues, and it's not just kind of somewhere out there. It's right here. It's right here in our own church family. It's right here in our own community. And, and these realities can be so daunting. And, and they can be so overwhelming that they kind of become like these mountains that are impossible to be able to climb. And so you begin to ask yourself, I mean, where do we start? How do we really begin to tackle something like this? Well, it's interesting if you look at the life of Jesus, it's quite surprising how he brought hope and he brought healing to this world. And he didn't do it with big sweeping miracles that changed massive expanses of people. No, he didn't do it that way. He did it one person at a time. He did it by providing answers to a confused religious man who came seeking him in the middle of the night. He did it by healing a lonely, crippled man laying beside a pool of water. And he did it by forgiving a shamed woman who was caught in adultery. And over and over again, what you see in Scripture is that Jesus changed this world one person at a time. He did it one conversation at a time. He did it one relationship at a time. He did it one act of service at a time. And he did it one prayer at a time. He did it one at a time. And so over the next five weeks, we're going to be rediscovering and recalibrating ourselves to this ancient way of Jesus. We're going to be looking at this one at a time lifestyle that Jesus models for us that can radically transform our world. Now, you might have heard me share this story before, but in the fall of 2020, I was working uh, with my wife remodeling a house in southeast Wichita. And my job, as always, was something that didn't take any skill. Uh, my job was cutting down a whole bunch of trees that were on the side of this house with a chainsaw. And so as I was clearing some debris, I saw a neighbor standing out on his front porch smoking a cigarette. And so I thought I would be friendly and I would reach out to this guy. 
And so I said to him, hey, how's it going? And when I did, this guy looked over at me and he gruffly responds, not very well. You woke me up with all that chainsaw noise. <laughs> well, I, I was kind of taken aback in the moment, but I decided I, I'm going to walk over there and introduce myself. And I got to tell you, I did not want to go. <laughs> I mean, this guy seemed rough. He seemed pretty unhappy. But I walked over there and I introduced myself and I asked him if he was originally from Wichita. And he said, yes. And I asked him, well, what part of town did you grow up in? He said, well, the northwest part of town. Well, that just opened up this uh, big conversation with this man. I found out that his name was Brian. And we ended up having several common friends and common experiences. And then when I told him I was a pastor at Pathway, it opened up another level of conversation where he told me that uh, he was in a crisis pregnancy situation, that he had a drinking problem. And then he was struggling to find a job. And it was like all those problems that we just heard about at the beginning of the message, I mean, they were right there in front of me. And, and so in those moments, I just had this great spiritual opportunity to walk alongside this man and, and to talk about life, talk about Jesus. I mean, we just had a great conversation. And so almost every time then after that, when I was over at that house and I would see him out, I would walk across the lawn again. And we'd end up having a similar kind of conversation. And I share with you that story because at its very core, Christ following is personal. It's not institutional. It's not something, something we just kind of do big at one time. It's one person at a time. And one of the things that the COVID season did for me personally is it exposed, I would say, my over-dependence on the institution. When we couldn't meet kind of for weekend services, it was kind of like, it short-circuited me from being able to accomplish the mission of Jesus. And I believe, certainly, that the institution, kind of all the programs of the church, they have a very specific role to kind of fortify, to facilitate, to accelerate the mission of Jesus. But at its core, the mission of Jesus Christ is personal. It's individual. And that's really what we see happening with Jesus and what we see happening with the first century Christ followers. The first century Christ followers were all out there individually moving the kingdom of God forward. It's like it says in Acts chapter 8, the believers went everywhere preaching the good news of Jesus. They were out there in their neighborhoods, their workplaces, and their communities moving forward the kingdom of God. It was personal. The way that they were changing the world by the power of Jesus Christ was one person at a time. And for us as a church family, we want to do the same kind of thing. We want to unleash kind of in a fresh way the power of Jesus Christ in every person just like it was back in the first century. And it's interesting, there's actually a business term that's kind of come on uh, the scene again in recent years that really to me illustrates this whole principle. It's called the long tail. Now several years ago, there was a company that some of you might remember. It was, it was this company. Blockbuster. I mean, who remembers Blockbuster? Raise your hand at all of our locations. You remember Blockbuster. If you're uh, watching online, you can put yes in the chat. And I know if you're under 25, you probably don't even know what Blockbuster was. <laughs> well, Blockbuster was a store where you got these things called VHS tapes and DVDs that had movies on that you would watch at home. Well, back in the recession of 2008, Blockbuster went bankrupt. 
They, they had all these uh, stores that had rented uh, these tapes and DVDs in them with big hit movies like Jurassic Park and Pirates of the Caribbean. Well, their business model back then looked like this. And, and uh, you, you've got all these big hits and it forms this head, if you imagine, of what they call the sales curve. And as you move away from the hits, the sales curve begins to decrease and it forms this big, long tail. Well, this big, long tail is the thousands and thousands of movies that were non-hits. I mean, most of these movies are movies that you and I have never heard of before, and they create this big, long tail. And here's the thing. When you combine the revenue of all the non-hits in the long tail, it actually greatly supersedes the revenue of just focusing on the hit. So what happened was, uh, in the middle of the 2008 recession, Netflix and Amazon and other companies like them came along and they started focusing on the long tail. And not only did those companies survive in the landscape of the 21st century economy, but they thrived. I mean, they exploded. So I know some of you are asking, okay, well, what's this really got to do with the church? Well, in the 20th century, most churches, including us, by and large, have relied on the head. In other words, we've used staff and programming and facilities to kind of bring people together to be able to share the gospel and help people grow in their faith. But like Blockbuster, the landscape's changed. And our culture and our society has changed. We all live now, whether you want to know it or not, man, we live in a post-Christian era. And like Netflix, we see now, though, this new opportunity of the long tail. And the long tail, my friends, it is the millions and millions of ordinary Christ followers who could be out there individually and in small groups sharing the good news about Jesus and helping people be able to grow in their faith. And to me, when I think about that, to me it sounds a lot like the first century. To me it sounds a lot like what Jesus told us to do in Matthew chapter 28 when he said, Therefore, go, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And in the last few months, as we've started kind of dreaming and thinking about this, this, this long tail of the church, we decided to pull together all the leaders here at Pathway. We had all the leaders of our, our home teams, our, our guest ministries, our student and our kid ministries, and we pulled them all together in what we called a leadership huddle. And those leaders who came together really formed what I would say are the tip of the spear of this grassroots movement of ordinary, everyday Christ followers that we're starting here at Pathway. And, and if you were in one of those leadership huddle meetings, uh, what I want you to do right now is I want you to stand right now. Here we go. This is aerobic. Stand right now if you came to one of our leadership huddle meetings. All of our locations, I want you to do that. Stand right now. Keep standing. See, these are the leaders of our ministries here at Pathway, and they're leading out in this movement, all right? Now, next, I want everybody else to stand. Everybody else stand. We're kind of an engaged. I want you to breathe deep so you can kind of keep with me here during the message today. So, and what I want you to do right now is I want you to look around to every person right now. I want you to look around to every person that's here right now. And I want to let you know today that you are, friends, the Netflix and the Amazon people who are going to change this blockbuster world. It is you. 
It is you, my friends. You see, in the new world order, it's not going to be the preachers or the programs that are going to change this world. No, in the new world order, friends, it's you. You are the ones. You, the ordinary Christ followers, walking alongside other people one person at a time. That's how Jesus did it. That's how he wants to do it. And that, my friends, is how we are going to change the world. Amen? Amen. Give God a hand. He's got a plan for us. He's got a plan. You may be seated. You may be seated. So how are we going to do this? What's it really going to look like? Well, it's actually very different in terms of how we approach our own personal relationship with Jesus and also different in terms of how we approach the mission of Jesus in terms of what he's told us to do. You see, the old model of Christian maturity was about having more and more knowledge about the Bible. The more that you give yourself to growing in your knowledge of the Bible, the more you will grow. And certainly, there is a place for growing in your knowledge of the Scriptures. But the new model that we're recalibrating ourselves uh, back to is what it looked like in the first century. And, and back in the first century, the way that you mature in Christ in terms of your relationship is to help other people grow in their faith in Christ. The way we say it is we mature as Jesus followers by growing Jesus followers one relationship at a time. It's kind of like the difference between going to school and on-the-job training. Going to school wasn't wrong or bad, but I'm telling you, most everything that you and I learn in terms of our career, in terms of our, uh, what we are doing today, we learned on the job. <laughs> we learned as we were doing it. I mean, nobody taught me in Bible college how to organize the staff of a large church. Nobody taught me in Bible college on how to run an online ministry. And nobody taught me in Bible college what you're supposed to do when you're conducting a wedding and the ring bearer throws up on the bride. <laughs> nobody told me what to do. No, I learned it as I was doing it. It's called an apprentice model of education. It sounds like following Jesus, doesn't it? That's what we see. That's what we did. And I, and I got to tell you, I've seen this whole dynamic in my own spiritual walk in spades. I mean, I'm telling you, my own spiritual maturity, it surged forward that day as I walked across the lawn and started engaging this kind of grumpy neighbor. <laughs> my personal faith, I mean, it skyrocketed. I mean, I was learning as I was going to try to walk alongside this guy to, be a guy to be able to trust God in some very new and tangible ways. Something was happening inside of my soul. It matured me. It did something to me as I was doing it. It supercharged my faith. That's the way God made it. As we are going about his business and doing his work that he told us to do, it supercharges our faith. We start to trust God. We start to seek God. We start to know God because we are doing the work. We're not just talking about his work. And the other dynamic that I, I've seen that's really, uh, I've seen as I've helped other people grow in their faith is that people younger in their faith have really challenged, honestly, my own faith. So many times I've seen people who are very young in their faith leave their friends, 
leave their jobs to be able to take faithful steps in terms of their relationship with Christ. I mean, I've seen them be irrationally generous. I've seen them give away cars. I've given, seen them give away huge sums of money to be able to help people see Jesus and to be able to help God's kingdom move forward. You see, their childlike faith in seeing what faith looks like inside them, it's caused me to grow. I, I want to rub up against that. And that's what Jesus was talking about that in Matthew chapter 18 when he said, talked about having faith like a child. That's what he's talking about. And when I'm around that, I, I want to be by that. I want to have faith like a child that moves and acts and, and follows God in that way. You see, most of us, we thought that growing and making followers like Jesus told us to do in Matthew chapter 28, it was kind of all about them. You know, us kind of going and helping other people who don't know God. But in the end, as we grow and we walk alongside people, one person at a time, it's just as much about us as it is about them. It not only changes them, obviously, but spiritually it changes us as well. I mean, that's really kind of what we saw almost before our eyes. It happened two weeks ago. We saw 67 people take the step of baptism. I mean, it was amazing. And every person that was baptized, I mean, they came out and they had smiles on their faces uh, out of, when they were coming out of the water. But you know what? You know who else was smiling and you know who else was being changed and transformation was happening in their life? It was the people who have walked with them and were baptizing them. They were changed. That's what was going on. You see, in God's kingdom, we mature as Jesus followers by growing other Jesus followers. Now, the next aspect that we are recalibrating in how we grow in our relationship with Christ has to do with Bible application. In the old model, we talked about Bible application. We discussed Bible application. But in the new model, we hold each other accountable to Bible application. The, the way we say it is we obey God's Word while being accountable to others one day at a time. It's like that conversation I had with Brian in the yard that day. That conversation was actually facilitated by the fact that I was being held accountable on a staff team to obeying God's Word in this specific area. On a weekly basis in that staff team, we were holding each other accountable, not just to learn God's Word, but to actually put it into practice, to obey it. We were holding each other accountable every week to use the everyday opportunities that we had. That was an everyday opportunity to be able to share the love and the message of Jesus Christ with other people. And because I was being held accountable to that, when I was there in that yard and I saw that guy, I said, oh, okay, this is one of those opportunities that I can be able to try to do that. And as we did that, as we were, I was being held accountable to do that, and I kind of, in essence, because of that accountability, it forced me, so to speak, into being able to act in that moment amazing things happen. Amazing things happen, like this encounter that I had with Brian. I mean, I've been a Christ follower for years, but I'm telling you, new and fresh things happen as I allowed myself to be accountable to other people, other Christ followers every week to obey in a very specific area that they were going to ask me about then the following week when we met. So the new way that we follow Jesus is we obey God's word by being accountable to others one day at a time. 
Now, the next way that we are recalibrating how we grow in our relationship with Christ has to do with how we share the good news of Jesus. The old model of Christ following is only go to Christian restaurants, Christian uh, car shows, and Christian exercise classes. If someone comes to one of those events, make sure and share Jesus with them. But the new model is not focused on having non-Christ followers come to us. No, the new model of Jesus is what? We go to them. That's why Jesus said, go. Go and make disciples. The new model is we intentionally put ourselves in close proximity with non-Christ followers wherever they are so that we can share our life and our faith with them. The way we say it is we live life with people who don't know Jesus one act of service at a time. And that's what I did with Brian. I just kept showing up over at his house in different ways trying to serve him. I mean, I would go periodically by and I'd drop off a Christmas gift or an Easter gift and I'd invite him to come to church. I'd reach out to him on Facebook and I'd comment or like things that he posted in order to kind of encourage him. I just continued to do all I could to be able to kind of create proximity and connection with him by serving him in any way that I could. So we live life with people who don't know Jesus one act of service at a time. Then the final way we're recalibrating how we grow in our relationship with God is how we trust him. The old model is we prove to people by logic and by scriptural evidence that they are wrong so that they will follow Jesus. Well, the new model is we trust God for the outcome one prayer at a time. Now, this doesn't mean we don't share logic or scripture, but the focus is not convincing people. The focus is God. That's why it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, so neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but only God who makes things grow. God is the one who does all the work. We're just to obey, pray, and trust God for the results. And here's the cool thing about Brian's story. It's been almost two years since I met Brian. I've kept up the relationship with him all this time, but honestly, nothing's really happened. Well, just recently, he's been making some real efforts to get sober, I commented on a post that he made in Facebook that I was proud of him for taking that step. And right after I did that, he direct messaged me. He direct messaged me and asked me about a Thursday night men's group that I had invited him to several times. And just a few weeks ago, Brian came for the very first time to my men's group and just had a great experience. Amen? It's crazy. It's how God works. So we obey, we pray, and we trust God for the results. And what's so exciting as we've been slowly kind of recalibrating ourselves as a church family to follow in this way, Jesus, man, has been doing incredible things already. I mean, already in the first uh, six months of this year, attendance uh, at church here has been up 10%, largely to do with the fact that people are inviting the people that they're walking alongside. And already in the first eight months of this year, baptisms are up by 31%. It's not people being baptized by the pastors. No. It's all the people who have been walking alongside others, baptizing their friends. It's like Jamie Dennison, who baptized Taylor Winnings, who was his co-worker. He met 
Taylor at work. But Jamie started spending time walking alongside Taylor, being a friend to Taylor, hanging out with him, sharing Jesus with him, and inviting him to come to church. And you know what? Taylor started coming to church. Taylor started growing his, in his relationship with Jesus. And two weeks ago, Taylor was baptized as a part of our baptism celebration. Isn't that awesome? Praise God for that. Super cool. But it's walking alongside. You see, that's the ancient way of Jesus. It's the ancient one-at-a-time way of Jesus being already being made manifest in our church. But here's the problem. We build up mountains in our minds that have kept us moving forward in this way, though. Well, we build up mountains of fear because in some ways, this just kind of feels a little bit new and different than the way that we've kind of always done it. Others of us, we, we feel like failures. We feel like failures in our relationship with God, and we don't feel like we're worthy or able to be able to help anyone in terms of their spiritual journey. Where others of us still, where the mountain we're kind of fading is a, a mountain of inadequacy or insecurity. We don't feel like that we know enough or that we have the ability to kind of help another person grow in their faith. So one way or another, we feel like we've got these mountains, these kind of overwhelming mountains in front of us, mountains of fear, mountains of failure, mountains of inadequacy and and insecurity. But I want to let you know, Pathway family, Every Christ follower who has gone before us, they have faced those same realities. Gideon faced inadequacy. Thomas, he faced all kinds of doubt. Peter, he faced an overwhelming failure. But they climbed those mountains. They climbed them, friends, because they knew if God was for them, who could be against them? Because they knew that God is bigger that he's stronger, that he's greater than anything that we can face. Well, here's my challenge, Pathway family. And here's how I want us to move forward in this season as we fulfill Christ's great commission in our, in our leg of the race. Let's walk alongside other people one person at a time. Let's walk alongside someone in our family Let's walk alongside a neighbor. Or let's walk alongside someone in our workplace and share with them. Share with them the life-changing message of Jesus and help them grow in their faith. And I want you to imagine, friends, what would happen if every one of us would do that. If every one of us would do that. And then everyone after us would do the same thing. You see the rippling effect that would happen in our church, the rippling effect that would happen in our community, the rippling effect then that would happen in our world if each one of us did that? And I want you to specifically imagine as well the people. The people. The people freed from addictions. All those Brian's out there. The marriages that would be saved. The children that we heard about how they would be saved. And all the hurt, all the hurt and the suffering that we'd be prevented because Jesus now is in people's lives. That changes everything. You see, God has given us all of us. He's given us all of us. He's given us all time. And he's given all of us, what, opportunity. He's given us all opportunity for one. 
we can't, we can't overcome all the problems of this world, but I'm telling you, we can make a difference. We can make a difference for one. So I want to ask you right now, who's that one person for you? Who's that one person for you that you can walk alongside just like Jesus did? Who's the name of that one at a time person, that person that God's put in your own life that's already in your circle? So right now what we're going to do as a certain church family is we're going to have a sacred time of commitment. We really want to have a sacred time of commitment to bring those names, to bring the names of those people to God. And the way that we're going to do that is for every person to come to the front, to come to the front and to pick up one of these rocks. Pick up one of these rocks and write the name of the person who God is calling you to walk alongside. To write the name of the person that God is calling you to walk alongside on one of these rocks. And each of these rocks up at the front they represent not only that person, but our heart for that one person. Our heart for that one person, our commitment to be able to build a relationship with them, to be able to reach out to them, to be able to do acts of service for them, to be able to pray for them. You see, we can't move the mountains of problems that our world is facing right now, but we can help one. We can make a difference for one. You see, I don't think God is calling us individually to move some big mountain. But I do believe he's calling us to be able to move just one rock. He's calling us all to be able to move one rock. And the deal is, if you move a rock, and I move a rock, and the person next to you moves a rock, and one of our high school students moves a rock, and one of our kids moves a rock, you see, if we all move a rock, then God's going to move the mountain. He's going to move the mountain, I'm telling you. He's going to move it. He's going to move it. If we all move a rock, he's going to move the mountains. So I want to ask you, who's that person for you? Who is that one? Who's that one at a time person that God is calling you to go out and walk alongside? Well, right now, uh, your campus pastor is going to come and give you some uh, location-specific instructions uh, wherever that you're watching the message today so that you can participate in this sacred act of commitment. So right now, I want our campus pastors to come and lead us lead us in the sacred time of commitment to God.